Hello, Church Unlimited. It is Campus Pastor Weekend, and we have Pastor Marcus Brenling just east of London, England, here to speak to you. Give it up for Pastor Marcus. You gotta love our lead pastor. You gotta love our lead pastor. And so now we thank you so much for, for joining us today at Church Unlimited. I also want to welcome those watching online. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Marcus Brenling, and I do have the honor and privilege of being the campus pastor here. Before we jump into the message, I do want to acknowledge this though, that we know that, that this weekend is Memorial Weekend. And we know that there are many, many people that have given their lives to serve this great country of ours. And so we want to be able to pay honor and respect to those who have fallen through their sacrifice in giving their life for this country. Would you please check out this video? If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land, we unleash the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Each one of those markers is a monument to the kind of hero I spoke of earlier. Their lives ended in places called Bellow Wood, the Argonne, Omaha Beach, Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Porkchop Hill, the Chosin Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. Under one such marker lies a young man, Martin Treptow who left his job in a small-town barber shop in 1917 to go to France with the famed Rainbow Division. There on the Western Front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We're told that on his body was found a diary. On the flyleaf, under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. We must realize that no arsenal or no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. It is a weapon our adversaries in today's world do not have. It is a weapon that we as Americans do have. 
Let that be understood by those who practice terrorism and prey upon their neighbors. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Out of honor and respect, I do just want to take a moment right now just to say this, that if you are a family member or you have a loved one that gave their life for this country, we want to honor them today. Would you please stand to your feet so that we can honor them if you have lost a loved one who has sacrificed their life for this country? Thank you, guys. You know, going into to, to preach right after that, I've got a lump in my throat already. It's like, it's pretty difficult to talk. It's such a powerful illustration, but I do want to again just welcome you to Church Unlimited. Thank you for being here again. Welcome to those watching online. We love that you are tuning in. I also want to welcome those watching in our prison ministry. We love you guys, and we love everything that God is doing in and through your lives as well. Before we do jump in, I want to give honor where honor is always doing that is to the lead pastors of the house, Pastor Bill and Miss Jessica. You know, they really are incredible leaders. They're leaders of integrity, leaders of compassion. They have such a heart that is sold out for Jesus and for the lost. And so it is an honor to be able to speak on this stage today. And so thank you, Pastor Bill and Miss Jessica, for allowing me to do this today. Well, we, we kicked off last week of this series, My Part, God's Part. And we're going to jump into to part two of that today. But I want to start off with the same statement that Pastor Bill led out and read out last week with. He said, today we are in a crisis of depression and unhappiness. People have become ineffective and listless. The answer is to understand God can change us, but we must do our part first. And so point one of today is this. My part is to serve others. God's part is to connect me to his purpose. And so what does it mean to serve? I looked up the definition and it says this. It means to perform duties or services for another person or an organization. See, when I, when I gave my life to Christ, one of the first things that I did was I started to serve at my dad's church, serving in the student ministry. And the things that I'd wasted my life on before, I now all of a sudden found God was using those things to speak life into these teenagers, where all the past mistakes that I had made, I was now helping these teenagers realize that they don't have to walk the same journey that they had walked. And it was through my serving that God connected me to my purpose and the call that I had on my life into ministry. And it's been nearly 17 years now that I've been in ministry. And we have to have a heart to serve. 
And I want to show you this illustration. I want to invite Kobe out on stage, who's, who's one of our interns here at Church Unlimited. As he's making his way out. I want to read to you Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Galatians 5.13 says, Serve each other through love. But I love how Jesus puts it. Jesus himself literally says, I came to serve not to be served. And we see this beautiful picture in John chapter 13, verses two through five. And it's the picture of Jesus literally washing the disciples' feet. See, what you need to understand is this, is that this was the, is what we now know as the Last Supper. This is the time that Jesus would, would break bread with the disciples for one last time before he went to the cross. That he is literally about to die in just a couple of days. But you see in the scripture that as Jesus already knows, he's about to be betrayed by Judas. He already knows that God has put all power under him. But Jesus, he gets up from the table and he wraps a towel around his waist. You see him take a jug and he begins to fill the basin with water. And Jesus in this moment is literally taking up the lowliest position of a servant. That this was the position that the lowliest servant had. And he's displaying humility as he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And the disciples are looking in amazement because Jesus to them is their master. But here he is displaying an act of servanthood. And he takes a towel and he dries the disciples' feet. And as they watch on, you see, you see Peter going, Jesus, no, I'll do that. But Jesus is displaying that you need to be a servant. You need to be a servant. Please give it up for Kobe. That this was a big week for Jesus. Again, Jesus is about to die in just a couple of days. The hands that are about to be pierced for our transgressions were the same hands that took up the lowliest position of a servant and washed the disciples' feet just a couple of days before he went to the cross. See, I don't know about you, but if I knew I only had a few days left to live, washing people's feet would not be at the top of my list. <laughs> it just wouldn't be up there. But we see Jesus literally do that to display to his, to, to display to his disciples what it means to be a servant. Jesus transformed the world through serving. And so I want you to imagine with me right now that what if we had the same heart? What if we had the same mindset? What would Church Unlimited look like if we made the decision to serve in God's house one hour a week? What would the impact be on our city, on our community, on the lives of others if we all did what Jesus asked us to do, which is to simply just serve in his house one hour a week? Because if you want to be a leader, 
If you want to be someone of influence, if you want to be someone that makes the difference in the lives of others, then it starts and ends with having a heart to serve. That's where real influence is. It's not on TikTok. It's not on Instagram or any other social media platform that I don't know about because I'm too old to know about it. It's in serving. Has anyone seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge? I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. And it's this incredibly true story of an American hero named Desmond Doss. And see, Desmond Doss was a man of faith, a man of God. And he had such a conviction to serve his country. And he wanted to be a combat medic. But the difference is, he wanted to do it without carrying a weapon. And when he was in the training, all of his comrades mocked him. They ridiculed him. They made fun of him for taking up that stance. But we know that Desmond Doss alone saved 75 men from certain death. That through his immense bravery, every time he went out into the battlefield, I love the prayer that he prayed, that he would simply just say, one more, Lord, let me say, save one more. Give me one more. And I thought about that and, and what would that look like if we translated that into serving? What if you and I showed up to God's house every week with that mindset and simply said, let me help one more, Lord. Let me serve one more, Lord. Let me save one more. Imagine what we could do as a church if we all had that mindset. Lives were changed forever because of the sheer bravery of one man. Imagine what we could do as a church. Because there's something powerful about serving. Not only does it change someone's life, it changes something in us. Because as we serve, we grow, we develop, we become a blessing as well as being blessed. We develop friendships and community. We become a part of something bigger than ourselves. There are people right now serving my kids and your kids in kids ministry, making a difference in the next generation, speaking life into those kids, speaking into their hearts, teaching them the Word of God at the same time that you're being taught the Word of God in here. There are people that are serving your kids in student ministry and one day are gonna serve my kids. And I already know that the impact that that has firsthand in serving the next generation, they need your leadership. Because let's be honest, they don't listen to mum and dad anyway. We all know that. You can tell your teenagers one thing and they're like, yeah, whatever. A volunteering student tells them it and they're like, mum and dad, you won't believe it. This was brilliant. I've never heard this before. And your parents like, we have told you that every day for the last 10 years of your life. It makes a difference. There's so many places for you to serve at Church Unlimited. First Impressions, which is the team that literally makes sure you have a great experience all the way from the street to the seat. Those volunteers having a huge impact 
Obviously, Kids Unlimited and students that I just mentioned. The production team. They're the reason for everything happening on this stage, backstage, online. All the lights, the sound, the videos and everything in between making it happen. This church is run by people serving. And if you can't serve on Sunday then serve on our operations team during the week. We have lots going on. There is plenty for you to do. The point is this, if you want God to work in your life, then serving is an expectation that God has. He asked his son to do it. So why wouldn't he want us to do it too? I love what John Bunyan said, and he's an old time preacher. He's also the author of Pilgrim's Progress. He said, you've not lived today until you have done something for someone who can never repay you. See, the measure of a man's greatness is not how many servants he has, it's how many people he serves. That's the true measure of a man's greatness. And so I want to challenge the men in the room right now that as leaders of your household, we need to be the leaders of the church. Is your wife serving, but you're not? God's called you to be a leader. And there is no better exercise for the heart than serving others. And so I want to encourage you, after service today, go to the Next Step Center and join a team. You don't need to pray about it. God already said to do it. (laughs) I don't need that excuse. (laughs) Join a team. The second point for us today is this. My part is to confess my struggle. God's part is to heal me. You know, my brother Luke and my cousin Sam, years and years and years ago, wanted to go and work and live in Italy. And so they decided to to jump on a plane with their suitcase and and go live in Italy for a few months. So as they get on the plane with everything, they land in a city called Verona. The problem is when they land, it's the middle of the night. Not Not only is it the middle of the night, there's now a storm. And it is hammering hammering it down with rain. And as they leave the airport, you need to remember there's no such thing as Uber back then. There's no taxis, there's no nothing. And so they walk out of the airport into into the city streets of Verona with a map. And they're looking for the place that they need to stay. But the problem is that along their way, they get lost. And so now it's the pitch black of night. It's raining. It's a storm. They're lost. They're wheeling their suitcases. 30 minutes into it, the wheels on my brother's suitcase break. And so now my brother finds himself in a place that he now has to pick up that 50 pound suitcase and he has to now carry a weight he was never meant to carry. And as they continue to walk the streets of Verona in the darkness of night, in the middle of a storm, lost, confused, tired, exhausted. My brother's arms begin to give way and he drops his suitcase. The problem is he's not where he needs to be. And so he has to pick up that suitcase again and begin to carry the weight he was never meant to carry. Three and a half hours until they found the place that they were meant to be at. And if you ask my brother, he'll tell you he was crying 
at the exhaustion of carrying something he was never meant to carry. And yet how many of us are doing the same thing today? that we're walking around with a weight that we are not meant to carry because we need to give it to God. But instead of giving it to God, we keep holding on to it. And we're walking around in the middle of a storm. We're walking around in the darkness of night. We're lost, we're tired, we're broken, we're exhausted, but we're still holding on to it. We won't let it go. But I want to encourage you today, church, that the Bible says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In other words, give me your struggles, give me your brokenness, give me your sorrow, give me your exhaustion, give me your troubles. I will take all of it because you are not meant to carry the weight I am. And we can know it up here, but we don't live it out. We know it, but we still refuse to let go of it. But I love what Coach John Wooden said. He said, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. (laughs) James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. See, this is one of the enemy's biggest tactics to take you and I out. Where the Bible says to confess our sin to God and to one another, the enemy has done a great job in lying to us by telling us that if you do, we're going to be judged. That we're going to be rejected. That you're not going to be looked at the same. That that, that you're going to lose everything. And so instead of doing what the Bible says, we keep a hold of it. We keep it a secret. And in doing so, we give the enemy power over us. Because we've come to believe the lie that if I say nothing, it will just go away. The problem is, is that Numbers 32, 23 literally says, be sure your sin will find you out. But we think because there's been no consequence yet, we've gone away with it. And the enemy will keep telling you that. Don't say anything. You got away with it. Yet how often do we see these things get revealed at the most damaging time in our life? It's at the time where the enemy knows that that you're at the most prominent time in your life. When everything seems to be going well. Where everything seems to be going your way. That is when the enemy will reveal it. Why? Because he knows that is when it's going to cause the most damage. He knows that that is when you have the greatest moment to turn your back on the church and your back on God. Because even though you did it, you're going to get mad at God and walk away from the church. We've got to understand that our part is to confess our struggle. God's part is to heal us. Do not play into the enemy's hands. Don't give him that power over you. Take back that power. Give it to God. I do want to share right now. I'm not telling you to go blast it on social media. Don't do that. You don't need to confess your struggles to the world. Keep it between you and God, an accountability partner. Have that one person in your life that you can really trust. And if you don't have that person, then let me encourage you today by saying, join a life group at Church Unlimited. 
We have some awesome people in our church. And so get plugged in. Life change happens in circles. Get to know people so that you can develop that friendship. God knows your struggles. He knows your temptations. He knows you better than you know yourself. God's part is to heal you, but he can't heal you if you won't confess it. 1 John 1.9 encourages us with this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I love how Augustine puts it. He says, the confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. See, God cannot do things in your life if secret sin resides. Our part is to confess. God's part is to heal. Point three today is this. My part is to focus on good things. God's part is to give me his peace. Many of you are about to know the the, the gentleman that I am about to speak of. And this gentleman and I have a love-hate relationship. To be honest with you, I view him as my nemesis. (laughs) And he goes by the name of Blippi. And if you're a parent in here, you know who Blippi is. If you don't know who Blippi is, he's this grown man that has a kids program and he's really annoying. Like, (laughs) but kids love him. (laughs) And my kids love Blippi. And something that Blippi teaches, one of the activities that Blippi teaches is an activity called sink or float. And it's this activity where he fills up a tank of water and then he takes objects and drops it in to see if it sinks or floats. Well, one particular night in the Brendling household, as I am running the bath for my kids and the bathtub takes a while to fill up, you know as a parent, if your house is quiet, nothing good is happening. (laughs) So me and my wife, boys, nothing. Boys, nothing. So we proceed to go into to to the bathroom to find our boys there playing sink or float. But they're not playing it with their stuff. (laughs) They're playing it with daddy's stuff. And so there at the bottom of the bathtub is my PlayStation controller, (laughs) followed by Josiah telling me, it sinks, dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, it does, son. And as I look to my right, is, are they my clothes? Your clothes float, Dad. <laughs> I would love to tell you that I had God's, I was focused on the good things and that I had God's peace in that moment, but I would be lying to you on stage. I was focused on how much a replacement controller is about to cost me. And I was focused on how many new clothes I might now have to buy because they now smell of bubble gum, bubble bath. That is what I was focused on. But the world is exactly the same way. The world will try and distract you to stop you focusing on the good things to get you to focus on everything else. Because the world wants you to focus on what you don't have. To compare yourself, to get jealous, to build up bitterness, to step on anyone you need to because you deserve it more than them. And we do that rather than following the good things of God. But the Bible says to focus on the good things of God. 
Philippians 4, 8 through 9 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. See, church, your attitude determines your perspective. Your perspective determines your direction. Your direction determines your destiny. You have got to focus on the good things. See, what we focus on gets magnified, good or bad. If you're focused on the things that you don't have, then your mindset is always going to be, I deserve a bigger house. I want a bigger house. Why don't I have a better car? I want a better paying job. Why didn't I get that promotion? Why did they kid? Why, why, why did they? Why don't I have better behaved kids? Why are their kids perfect? They're not mine. If that's your focus then your outlook is always going to look dim. But if you focus on the good things and you say to yourself, I may not have the house that I want, but at least I have a roof over my head. I may not have the car that I want, but at least I have a car. I may not have the, the promotion that I got, but at least I have a job. My kids might drive me crazy now, but one day they're going to see an example of a godly man or a godly woman and they're going to appreciate everything that I have done for them. Instead of getting mad that things are not going our way, we need to learn to say this, that the struggle I am in today is producing the strength I need for tomorrow. Focus on the good things. Your outlook will always determine your outcomes. A negative outlook never leads to a positive life. And so I want to remind you today, church, that God is still good. And he is still on his throne and he is still in control of all things. Focus on his word. Focus on what he says about you. Focus on, on how much he loves you. And it, literally, you are a child of God, that you are loved, that you are valued, that you are not a mistake, that your life has purpose, that you have been restored, that you have been forgiven, that you have been set free, that you have been redeemed. And there is nothing you can do that can separate you from the love of God. Focus on the good things of God. The fourth and final point for us today is this. My part is to ask God for help. God's part is to make a way. And I love what it says in Isaiah 43, 19 and 22. It says, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. But then verse 22 says this, but you refuse to ask for my help. God has already made a way, but are you asking for his help? Matthew 7, 7 through 8 puts it this way. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We have to ask God for help. And God will make a way. On Tuesday night, early hours of Wednesday morning of May 2nd and, and May 3rd, my wife's life and mine would look different. See, what many of you don't know is this. 
is that Christina was pregnant with our fourth child. And my wife began cramping uncomfortably. And so first thing Wednesday morning, my wife goes to the hospital and they run multiple tests. We get the news Wednesday evening. It literally tells us, we're ever so sorry. It doesn't look good. It looks like you've had a miscarriage. But please come back on Friday so that we can run more tests. And as my wife went back to the hospital Friday morning of May 5th, and the tests that they ran, we got it confirmed Friday afternoon that our sweet baby has now gone to be with Jesus in heaven. And we were completely broken. We were shattered. But all we could do was turn to Jesus. In the middle of our pain, in the middle of our hurt, in the middle of our sorrow, all we had was Jesus. And so on Sunday, May 7th, I stepped out onto this stage as I do most weekends to lead out an offering. And my heart was completely broken, but my faith was not shaken. And as my wife served and loved on her team in first impressions, each and every single one of them, and every single person that walked through these doors, her heart broken, but her faith not shaken. See, the only reason that we were able to do that is because we have Jesus. And as Christina and I spent many days in tears, we felt God's peace in the midst of our pain because all we could do was cry out for help. And we began to see God make a way. See church, we could choose to to be angry at God. We could have chosen to, to shake our fists at Him and blame Him and say, how can you do this? Or we could choose to just trust in Him and thank God that our sweet baby will never know what it means to suffer here on earth, that all our child knows is heaven and the presence of God. And when mine and time is done and Christina's time is done, when we get there, there is gonna be a sweet child with her her or his arms open wide that simply say, welcome home, mum and dad. It's a part of our testimony, I promise you, we never wanted. It's a part of our testimony that we refuse to go to waste. We never wanted to be able to say, yeah, we know how you feel. But now that we can, we're gonna use it for the glory of God. See, I can't imagine going through something like that without Jesus. And yet there are many of us in here today going through things and we refuse to cry out and ask for help. We think that asking for help shows weakness. But God is literally telling you, cry out for help. I will make a way, but you gotta come to me. You gotta ask for help. See, God wants to take all the brokenness. 
all the suffering, everything that you're going through, the depression, the anxiety, all of it. God wants to take it all, but we have got to ask Him for help. Our part is to ask for help. God's part is to make a way. And when you do, He really will begin to make that way. Church, we cannot do it alone. We are in desperate need of saving from a Saviour. That has done it all for you and I. And so I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you came in here carrying. But I do know this, is that God wants to make a way in your life. He's there. Now it's your part. Will you ask Him for help? Will you seek Jesus? Maybe you're in here today and you don't even have a relationship with Him. And I wanna give you that opportunity to do so so that you can know Him. This is the best gift you can ever get. And so right now with every head bowed and every eye closed, with no one looking around, God has already made a way for you by sending His Son, Jesus who died on the cross and rose again three days later. He's done His part. Now it's up to you. Jesus has already made a way for you. The question is, will you do your part and receive Him? And so right now with no one looking around, I'm gonna lead out in a prayer and we're gonna pray this prayer out loud together as one big family in support of those that are praying this prayer. But if you wanna receive Jesus right now, pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for me. I ask you right now that you, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I repent and say sorry. Please come into my life, dwell in my heart and be my Lord and Saviour. Thank you that I'm brand new in you. Thank you for making a way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, still no one looking around. If that's you and you're in here today and you just prayed that prayer, I wanna ask you to do something bold. No one's looking around. This is your moment. This is between you and God. But right now, if that's you and you just prayed that prayer, would you do me the honour by slipping your hand up high in the air so that I can see it, that if you just receive Christ today, raise that hand. There's hands going up all over the place. Keep that hand raised. Online, I see that hand. Put it in the, cha- in the, cha- in the cha- text box or simply click on hand raised. Keep those hands high. Is there anyone else in here that says, yeah, that's me. That's me. You can put your hands down. Heavenly Father, we thank You for each and every single person in here today. Lord, thank You for those that gave their life to You. And Lord, for for the rest of us, I pray simply that we will do our part so that You can do Your part. Go before us the rest of this week. 
Have your hand upon each and every single one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen.